five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Right, that was uh, <clears throat> Scritty Politti, perfect way. We are bringing back the sexy today here on 15 Minutes of Flame. Just to disengage this, Get away from my neck. Yeah, we've gone from sexy to sex, haven't we, in some ways? Like, like there's plenty of sex, theoretically, in the world. I mean, you know. By the way, if I was like 14 years old, during the time that we're in with the, the internets. It'd be really dangerous, right? It would be very dangerous because you could just go anywhere in line that you wanted to. And um, you could, uh, you could search out a myriad examples of sex, right? You have the, uh, only fans world, you have Pornhub. I mean, sex has never been more ubiquitous, but it doesn't mean it's sexy. Just because there's sex, it doesn't mean it's sexy. And we've lost, you know, some of the, uh, some of the sexy in our world, haven't we? Have we, Jasper? Do you consider Jasper sexy? I mean, if I was a female cat, I think I might. Although the lack of teeth would turn me off a little bit. That's not that sexy. Well, I know, but you're you're beloved for other reasons. You're beloved for other reasons, Grandpa. He knew I was talking about him. Yes, I know. I know. You're well represented. Everybody loves you. They come for you. That's right. That's why they're here. Is Jasper on today? I want to give this show about 10 minutes. If I don't see that damn cat, I'm leaving. So I, you get your Jasper fixed now. And uh, I figured out a way to keep him around so that you can actually stay engaged with the show. Got a little Nick Fury in the background today. Feeling slightly monochromatic. I do not know what's up with my green screen but I'm definitely not getting the full use of it here, even though I, I am fully engaged technologically. How was everybody? Did we manage to get some sleep last night, some rest? Did we wake up in Dark City again? Is that where we are? Where every day the world seems slightly different, but it's always the same. That is the metaphor, by the way, of Dark City. And that there is a hidden hand that is not only guiding our affairs, but also 
changing the temporal structures of the world that we're living in, which by the way, could be true. Because I don't know whatever I don't know what happened in time. Time is gone. It's obliterated. Yesterday I got up, did the show. I apologize, it was a little choppy yesterday. And I endeavored today to get up early, which I did, post early, which I did, and give you guys a nice runway to get your chat on, which I did. And, and I was, you know, I'm always trying to find whatever is happening, like right now, all the way up to the start of the show. And I'm glad I did because I stumbled across some news that is, uh, well, it's about the secret war and the secret war that's going on inside of humanity. Of course, Ukraine is a secret war. Now, the whole preparation for Ukraine has been going on for a while, apparently, which I'm going to show you. But the, the bigger war is the global war. It's the war on consciousness. It's the war on humanity. And it is the war on the analog world that we live in, flesh and blood, right? the flesh and blood world. And um, I have an update from that front and a disturbing one, which will tell you just where this is going and how fast it's accelerating. So boys and girls, we are on the clock. And um, make no mistake about it, this is the war to end all wars. And whoever is victorious will uh, will rule over this realm and dominion. All right. So we're going to get into that today. But before I do that, thank you for being here. Uh, if you're listening to the podcast, I did not get the podcast up yesterday. You know why? I'm not a big guy for excuses, but I, I was so fucking busy yesterday doing readings. I had six hours of readings yesterday. <whistles> Pretty intense. By the time the last one was over, which was, what was that? I think I started at a 4.30, two and a half hour reading. By the time I was over seven o'clock, I was toast. I was toast. I had one reading which went over an hour longer than I had uh, hoped. It well, not hoped, but it was just okay. We're gonna we're gonna schedule an hour, and if you need more, we'll do more. And we did more. And don't get me wrong, I love what I do. It's great. Um, it's one of those things where when I'm, when I'm engaged with it, I feel really alive, right? I mean, this is what we want. We want things that make us feel alive. I, I feel alive when I do this. And I feel alive when I, you know, work with somebody. When we're together in a group setting, which has always been one of my favorite experiences, I feel very alive because I'm around a bunch of people and, and uh, usually engaged and really interesting, enlightening, fun activities. And this is our remedy for the war on consciousness is that we have to feel alive. And the challenge now is we're, we're, we're kind of in these trenches now. It's another war metaphor. We're in trenches. And when you're in a trench, you get entrenched. And sometimes you get into a rut. And I'm starting to see some of this in the social media world. 
And um, I think it's taking its toll on people in a lot of ways. I was uh, I was watching Martin Liedka's latest video last night, which I'm going to get into. But before I do that, I got to give a shout out to True Hemp Science, which of course is the sponsor of the show. How about that Scritty Politi tune? How cool were they? Very underrated group. Very, very underrated group. I got that perfect way. It goes go crazy. All right, here we go. True Hemp Science. It's kind of interesting because I was looking into one of the subjects, which is an ancillary part of today's topic, the end game part. And I actually stumbled through the uh, query of the, uh, of the subject, another CBD company based on the end game, but that's for later in the show. All right. We got the highest quality CBD and I believe that to be true. This is true hemp science. Again, my friend Christopher Lynch, this is his company. He's an entrepreneur and a business person in Austin, doing his best to employ people and uh, keep the dream alive and also help people too, because CBD is very helpful. And as I've mentioned before, uh, the gummies are off the charts and they have other CBD products that are really great for inflammation, uh, relaxation, sleep, it, I, I believe it is one of the uh, positive bromides for our time, right? It is, it is the soma without being the soma, if you know what I mean. Soma, of course, mentioned in Huxley's Brave New World, the thing that people took in order to make them feel okay with their soft tyranny. CBD is not that. I will attest to that. However, THC might be that. And there is a little bit of trace elements of THC in some of Chris's products. You can taste it, right? It's not necessarily bad. I think it's a good thing. And I believe there, there is one product that is THC free, if I'm also known, because some people don't like the THC in the CBD. Some people do. Anyway, if you uh, go there and spend over $100, and there being the True Hemp Science link on the homepage here for 15 Minutes of Flame. And you type in 15 minutes, that's 15 in M-I-N-S, you will get $20 worth of free product from Chris and True Hemp Science. All right. Let's check in with y'all. What's going on with y'all, as they say down here in Texas. We got TJ, my man, what's going on, Thomas? Empath is here. Thor at the door. Hello, Steve. I'm going to reach out to you, Dave. Usually, I usually talk with you on Tuesday, but I got sort of spun up. But I'm going to reach out to you today. Uh, speaking of secret, Zen game. This is very entertaining. Okay. All right. So Empath put something in. And uh, I'm going to, to, oh, it's the Dutch Sense channel. Right, I have to review that. Scalar weapons. Is that what we got going on here? I'm going to review that. Maybe we'll play that tomorrow. Well, tomorrow we got a big three and a half hour marathon show with Nish, which I've already recorded. 
and I just have to put together an edit because it's a two-part show. Started during the daytime, ended during the nighttime. And it's a, it's a great interview. And one of the things that Nish and I touched on is the rise of the theocratic right, which I believe to be true, by the way. And, and, and I'm not even a lefty. Like, I'm not one of those people that's sticking my finger out and pointing at, at, the, at the right saying, well, they're fascists and it's going to be dictatorial. What the left don't understand is that they're, they're helping to create the very conditions that they're crying about. And they're doing it based on their extremism, right? The left became uber fucking extreme. They were socially programmed to become uber extreme. And that all started with Barack Obama. And that ignited the extreme wave, which you had the, 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 the you know, the, uh, the kickback, right? The kickback. When I say kickback, I'm not talking about political kickback. I'm talking about kickback when you fire a gun, a high bore rifle, boom, right? You get that big shoulder shoulder pop that's the kickback and the kickback was donald john trump that's what that's what happened and we've been engaged in this it's kind of like people are playing poker right and they're just you know pushing more chips in and the hands have not been turned over yet people are still holding on to their cards but they're just pushing more chips into the center okay you got that i'm gonna raise you okay you got that i'm gonna raise you you've got that i'm gonna raise you so the stakes keep getting higher and higher and they're getting higher and higher <clears throat> based on the fact that the other side doubles down and the other side doubles down and the other side doubles down and doubles down and doubles down. And, doubles down. and now we're, we're really polarized and we're very, we're in, into these very extreme positions and polarity. And there's a secret war going on that even the left and the right, although the right is maybe a little bit more conscious of it than the left. And that's going on. And today there's a big development in this thing. Actually, it was yesterday, which I'm going to show you. And um, this really should be our common enemy, right? This should be our common foe. But it won't be because, oh, that's just a conspiracy. That's a conspiracy. That's disinformation, misinformation. That's fake news. And if they don't believe it's a conspiracy or disinformation or misinformation, it'll be adopted as an essential part of what we need to have on this planet in order to keep it alive and in order to uh, make sure that everybody has a fair and equitable chance of being a quote-unquote human. We're going to get into that a little bit. Who else do we have here? The beautiful, speaking of beautiful, beautiful people, it's the beautiful Wendy Says. Hi, Wendy. I see my boys are here, are here early. You are so funny. Beth Berry, what's going on, Double B? Timothy Hartful. Uh, Timothy Hartful in the hizzy. Good morning, everyone. Morning, Timothy. Bringing a Hartful every day. Uh, let's see, Sony, what's going on, Sony? Hello, hello. Kelly B. Yeah, you got this. You got the sound, right? You got the sound. 
Uh, let's see. Rosie is on the Ottoman. She's on the Ottoman. JJ, what's going on, JJ? Good to see you. Miss Nakia's here. Uh, the boy singer sounds like he hasn't gone through puberty yet. Yeah, you know, they had a little falsetto thing going on there, right? Uh, let's see. Got to get our news info this morning. Goodness knows I'm not getting from the news outlets myself. Yeah, that's why you. That's why a lot of people come here because I do comment on the news and other things. Uh, let's see. Empath says kind of like Michael Jackson a little bit. It's got that sequencing, the drum machine, the fat bass. Are you getting down? All right, Jasper's checked. He's tapping out. All right, I'll see you later, man. All right. Scrubbies, what's going on, Tamara? There's Fran, CC Jones. Hello, Fran. Good morning. East Coast checking in. Who else do we have? Anybody else? Anybody else? Going once, going twice, going three times. We got uh, BDR, Soma in that book was an inversion of the real spiritual soma, mushrooms and plant medicine. Well, it's interesting because Huxley was into it, right? Huxley was a tripper. Huxley took, um, I believe if I'm not mistaken, both um, psilocybin and mescaline. And Huxley tripped with Maria Sabena. I remember reading uh, The Words of Perception in college. It's an interesting book actually. Uh, Maurice 100, what's going on, brother? Good to see you. Hope you're well. Uh, Arlene is here too. There's my man, Mark Matheny. Good to see you, Mark. And then Michael, DJMC. Michael F. Sister Nino. Big daddy in the house. All right. How's the shirt work today? Oh, God, the cats, man. Once the cats get involved, black shirt, not good. I bought a vacuum last night. I'm very proud of this purchase. Because I've been trying to, you know, keep the place a little neater. My standards of cleanliness are not always the same as other standards of cleanliness. Not that I'm a slob or anything. But I'm clearly not living up to my, my designation as a Virgo. So in order to have my house be up to the standard of other peoples who like to come over and hang out and not feel like they're getting a big dose of cat hair or whatever else, I, you know, I have to I have to vacuum and take better care of the place. So I was doing that yesterday and I realized my vacuum is kind of a piece of shit. I mean, it's not bad, it's okay. But it's not great. I'm like, this vacuum is not doing what it needs to do. I need a new vacuum. So I did a little uh, little search on the old internet on vacuums. And I think I found the secret weapon on the secret war against dust, pollen, cat hair, and dead crickets. And I'm going to introduce you to the secret weapon right here. I'm so proud of this. You know, if you like research a product, right? You research a product 
and you go through, you read the reviews, you keep reading the reviews and it's like, bang, 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 bang. You're like, okay, there's something here. The reviews are consistent and wow, look at the price. Look at the price on this thing. And it's like, this is a no brainer. So I, I don't get excited much about material products, but I got to tell you, I'm going to show you what I got. I'm going to show you what I bought last night. Of course, instant gratification. This is my new purchase. The Bissell Zing. Look at that. Four and a half stars, 1,036 reviews. I got my Zing for 50 bucks. I got I didn't get it from Bissell, I got it from Southern. $50. It's a canister vacuum. One of the things that is apparently great about the Zing is the suction. Apparently it's got a great suck power. So it's a vacuum that really sucks. And that's, you know, that's a good vacuum. You want a vacuum that really sucks. You don't want a vacuum that blows. You want one that sucks. So I got it. And I can't wait to use the Bissell Zing. And when I do, I'm going to let you know how it works. Because, I mean, what is going on here? Oh, God. I'm not crazy about my shirt today. But I can't stop the video. Quality control in the morning, Robert. Quality control. All right, let's talk about the secret war that's going on. So last night, and this is just an ancillary uh, kind of uh, piece of information. Here in the Hill Country, we have a number of cities, small cities. I got to this shirt. Um, one of them is to the north of me. It is a city called, well, it's not even a city, it's a town. Lano, L-L-A-N-O, Lano. I guess if you're Spanish, be Llano, Cinco de Mayo, so maybe I should call it. Yeah, but we, Texas has weird pronunciations, like Man, Manchaca, which is M-A-N-C-H-A-C-H-A, Manchaca, M-A-N-C-H-A-C-A, Manchaca. You don't say Manchaca. You say Manchac. Okay. All right, that's how you say it. It's not how it's spelled, but yeah, hey, when did wrong, right? Um, and then the other one is uh, Manor. Looks like Manor, M-A-N-O-R, but no, it's Manor. Okay, Manor. Manor, Manchac, even Houston. If you go to New York, where they have Houston Street, where you go to England, where there's also a Houston, it's pronounced Houston, but here it's pronounced Houston. Texans have a very interesting way of pronouncing words. Now, they will automatically know if you're not from Texas if you say pecan, because that's not how you say it. Apparently, it's pecan. And that's, I've had a hard time with the pecan pecan thing. And, um, but Yano is Lano. And that brings us to Lano. Let me see if I can find the, there's a tweet here. It was sent to me last night. Uh, I got the perfect thing. 
you know, sometimes you just got to play upbeat music, happy music. You know what I'm saying? Because I was thinking, oh, let me play something. Let me play something dark today. You know, we're going to talk about the secret war in the end game. I need, I need some music that's going to reflect that. I said, fuck it. Let's play something upbeat and bouncy and sexy. All right. Oh, there's that. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to talk about that today, too. Okay, here we go. Let's see if I can find this thing. It came to me via my phone. There it is. So I'm going to send this link to me so I can play it for you. And I'll show you the counteroffensive of the secret war, i.e. not so secret war. All right, here we go. All right, so let me play that because I just sent it to myself. I can grab it from messages over here. I got the perfect thing. You just go crazy. All right, here it is. Okay. As you know, there is a uh, full-on boots-on-the-ground effort to remove the filth from our public from our our, our schools' libraries. All right, there's a, there's a full-on boots-on-the-ground effort to get these smutty fucking books, not just smutty books. They're also incredibly divisive books that talk about either directly or indirectly critical race theory and um, supporting the fact that uh, America and particularly white America is colonialist um, and is ultimately at the core of everything racist. And that people who are outside of that privileged circle cannot get ahead in life. So what is the intent? The intent is to completely remove that group so that there's no longer any, uh, any, any friction or, or any pushback against an individual's ability to move forward against the socioeconomical, socioeconomic speed bumps in their life. I mean, it's pretty, pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Jason Whitlock, and Dave Shannon and Royce White really got into this last night with abortion because abortion is one of those things that deeply affects the black community. Deeply affects the black community. And it's a form of birth control. And they had the, the figures, it was staggering. It was like 30 million people, 30 million people, 30 million babies have been aborted since this whole thing started. Most of whom, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, are black slash people of color. And it's a targeted effort. And they get into Margaret Sanger. They get into uh, Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger, a little bit, I think, with Gates. But they're like quoting chapter and verse on this stuff, right? And they're like, look, we're targeted. We are targeted. Our community is targeted. And you're making a fortune off of our community. You're making a fortune off, you know, robbing the uh, 
the unborn from the wombs of our women. And at the same time, you're decimating our, our population, you're breaking up families, you're doing all these things. And somebody brought up this really interesting point about abortion. The people that complain about Roe v. Wade are the ones that are born. Isn't that interesting? That's probably the most ironic and paradoxical assessment of this whole thing. The people that are complaining are the ones that are born. Yeah, that's right, because the dead babies, they don't complain. They can't. Okay, so here we go. Texas residents are suing their county after books were removed from public libraries. So this is quite interesting, just in terms of um, the positioning of the book, right? So this is Shakespeare. This is a book, this is obviously a commentary on Shakespeare. This is the, uh, the graphic that is being used here. If you're listening to the podcast, I'll describe it to you. Uh, there is a book that looks like it's a critique of Shakespeare, The Necessary Shakespeare. Maybe it's a collection of plays. Maybe it's a collection of plays and commentary. I don't know. But the book is angled out from the bookshelf. So you're looking down the row of books at a, at a library. And one book is sticking out. And you, you get to see one eye, right? Like this is, you know, just this cliche, but it's kind of the Illuminati calling card here. You got the one eye. You got Shakespeare, because there's a big controversy around Shakespeare. Was it Edward de Vere? Was it Bacon? Who actually wrote Shakespeare? And then you have, and, and, and he's canonical, right? Shakespeare is canonical, even though they'd love to get rid of Shakespeare. Would they get rid of Othello? That's an interesting question. Would they get rid of Othello? By the way, Othello was remade into a movie called O. And it's a movie that has to do with, um, it's a teen related movie. And it's set in a high school. I think football's involved. I've never seen it. But uh, it's an, I think it's an interesting kind of uh, update on the Othello story. Anyway, they're basically saying, look, they're going to get rid of these books. These are your books. Seven residents, the Magic Seven, in Llano County, Texas, are suing county officials, claiming their First and Fourteenth Amendment rights were violated when books deemed inappropriate by some people in the community, Republican lawmakers, were removed from public libraries, or access was restricted. So that's going on here. That's going on here in this area and in the broader area known as the United States or the former United States of America. This is this county of 21,000 people in the Texas Hill Country, this is CNN now, is now part of a growing number of communities in the United States where conservative groups and individuals have pushed to control what titles people have access to and singled out books that deal with race, gender, or sexuality. The lawsuit filed Monday at U.S. District Court for the Western District of Texas in San Antonio claims county officials removed books from the shelves of the three-branch public library system. So this is public library. And um, not the schools. It's public library. Because they disagree with the ideas within them and terminated access to thousands of digital books because they could not ban two specific titles. Public libraries are not places for government indoctrination. They're not places where the people in power can dictate what their citizens are permitted to read about and learn. When government actors target public library books, 
because they disagree with and intend to suppress the ideas contained within them. It jeopardizes the freedoms of everyone in the lawsuit states. Lano County judge, now they are suing a judge. Ron Cunningham, County Commissioners, Jerry Don Moss, Peter Jones, and Linda Rashke, Library System Director, Amber Milam, Milam and four members of Lano County Library Board, Bonnie Wallace, Rochelle Wells, Rhonda Schneider, and Gary Baskin are named as co-defendants in the case. They did not respond to CNN requests for comment. Lano County Commissioner Mike Sandoval, who is also named as a defendant in the suit, declined to comment. In the lawsuit, Lila Green Little, a mother who lives in Lano County, and the other six plaintiffs argued that county officials removed several children's books last August in response to complaints from a group of community members who described them as inappropriate. Those titles include In the Night Kitchen by Maurice Sendak, It's Perfectly Normal, Changing Bodies, Growing Up, and Sexual Health by Roby H. Harris. Okay, so that's not all of them, but they've cherry-picked two of them. Months later, Texas Rep Matt Krauss launched an inquiry into whether 850 books on the subjects of race that might make students feel discomfort were in public school libraries and classrooms. The lawsuit says Wallace eventually set a spreadsheet with the books from that list that were available in Lano County Library's collection and an email to Cunningham and others. So they must have gotten a FOIA here, right, to get the email. Um, Wallace asked all the pastors to get involved in this. Perhaps they can organize a weekly prayer vigil on the specific issue. May God protect our children from this filth. Filth is capitalized. The suit alleges some books in Wallace's spreadsheet were removed from library shelves, including Cast, The Origins of Our Discontents by Isabel Wilkerson. They called themselves the KKK, The Birth of an American Terrorist Group by Susan Campbell, Bartoletti, and B. Jazz, My Life as a Transgender Teen by Jazz Jennings. The lawsuit says Wallace was later appointed as vice chair of the library board. The lawsuit alleges the county suspended access to e-books e because they were unable to remove two Krauss list books that offended their politics and personal sensibilities, dissolved its existing library board and appointed Wallace and others who pushed for book removals and close the advisory board meetings to the public. Green Little, one of the residents who brought the lawsuit, previously told CNN of her group of anti-censorship residents attending county meetings, wrote letters to officials and requested public records in order, in effort to stop the censorship. In addition to attorney's fees and a court order declaring the defendants violated their constitutional rights, the lawsuit seeks an injunction tailored to end defendants' efforts to monopolize the marketplace of ideas and to ensure that once again, there will be the fullest practical provision and material presenting all points of view concerning the problems and issues of our times for all county library patrons. So this is an interesting development and part of the secret war in a lot of ways, right? And for me, it's always interesting because the left is uh, theoretically absolutely fine when they control the dialogue, when they control the narrative, when they control the discussion, when they control the flow of information. When they don't, they get really pissed off and then they start to cry, cry wolf, right? They're like, the Constitution, 
we've got we've got to, we've got to access that constitution. The very same thing that theoretically the other side is accessing as well. Now all of a sudden the left are patriots and they're rebranding themselves as patriots. I was watching an interview with Howard Dean last night on uh, it was on CNN, and he was he was talking about um, uh, what's his name the guy that ran for uh, Vance. J.D. Vance, who won the uh, Ohio primary for the Republicans. And he was talking about J.D. Vance. And he was talking about, you know, their, their big fears are now, all of a sudden, this is going to turn into a dictatorship. They're, you know, they're, they're now crying out about fascism and dictatorship. And this is the rallying cry for the left. And they're going to use this to get out the vote. And they're rebranding themselves and recasting themselves as centrist. Why? Because they got way the fuck out there on the fringe of the left. They got into identity politics. They got into critical race theory. They got into hate whitey. And now they're trying to reel it back in and move back to the center and defend their position from the center using theoretically American, good old American constitutional principles. It's a fucking joke. It's a total joke. Once they get the, once they get the pushback, all of a sudden it's like, oh, that's un-American. That's totally un-American. You can't do that. You're stepping on our rights. So we're seeing this now across the board. This is the new. This is the new thing, right? But even with Ukraine, this is what they did with Ukraine. They they branded Ukraine as being patriotic. They took the Pluto return, they shot it over to Ukraine. Ukraine was the new 1776. Not here, there. Zelensky is the new Washington, right? That's exactly what happened. And Russia is uh, King George. crazy inversion so for the people in lano if i were you i would countersuit i would countersuit that's exactly what i would do file a countersuit against lila green little and her cohorts because you know there's people behind them absolutely there's people you know you don't you don't get on cnn without having some connections file a countersuit and then go out and get some more press and do your best to defend your position. Of course, the first amendment, freedom of speech, the 14th amendment, the abolition of, uh, or the uh, end of slavery. Right. The 14th amendment says, okay, you are now vested as full citizens of the United States of America. I don't know what the 14th amendment has anything to do with pulling books that are seditious. Now, we could play this game. We could play the, you know, the morality game. I'm like, well, let's test your morality. Let's put some books in the library system that offend you. Would you, would you support those books? Would you support books that deny the Holocaust? Well, I mean, if you're, if, if you're going to go in, right, and you're going to defend the First Amendment, then you need to fucking defend the First Amendment. You have to. You can't be selective. You can't cherry pick and say, well, these books are offensive to you, but if you ban them, 
then what you're doing is you're 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 cutting off the flow of information and the marketplace of ideas to the rest of America. Just play it out, right? Would you allow those books? Would you allow Holocaust denial books? Would would you allow books that talk about um you know, the uh, user's guide to the protocols of the elders of Zion? Would you, would you allow those books? I don't think so. Those books are hateful. Bet you wouldn't. But you would make, they would make sure, however, that whatever intellectual property, you know, they were the ones that banned Dr. Seuss, by the way. They fucking banned Dr. Seuss. So let's not let's not forget that, right? The left is great at banning material. Great. And nobody sued them when Dr. Seuss wasn't available. Oh, Dr. Seuss is racist. But you infringe on on their intellectual properties, which I wouldn't even call intellectual. And they get really pissy about it. Guess what? They'll follow a lawsuit. That's the not so secret. That's happening right here. I feel like I'm on the ground floor or ground zero of a lot of this stuff here in this area. But there's a much bigger picture of this idea of the secret war. And I ran across this, which was kind of mind blowing, actually. I'm just going to find it. There's a lot going on. I can't wait for my new vacuum. I'm psyched. Zing. You know, I was born in the year of the rat, and when you're a rat, you like a good bargain. I think I found one. Check this out. Nancy Pelosi demands U.S. go to full war with Russia. Even if, lead, even if it leads to nuclear war, we should not be deterred by the threat. So she's in Ukraine, and apparently she's wasted. Okay, I, I want to just put a pause on that for a second. I want to go back to that because that's really more part of the end game. This is what I wanted to bring up right here. So you think that this whole thing was just kind of a, hey, you know, we're kind of bored with uh, COVID. It looks like um, people are really getting sick from the whole COVID thing. I think that this uh, Ukrainian conflict was just something they, you know, add water to and stir. No, it's actually been in the baking for a while. Pentagon trained over 23,000 Ukrainian armed forces since 2015, says U.S. Journal. So this is during the last year of Barack Obama's time as president. The United States has trained over 23,000 of Ukraine's armed forces between 2015 and January 2022. So they started, they haven't stopped. That's seven years worth of training. Uh, this is according to U.S. Brigadier General Joseph Hilbert. He said this on Wednesday. Since the beginning of that mission, the Joint Multinational Training Group, up until January 22nd, we have trained a total of 23,000 plus armed forces of Ukraine soldiers from 17 different battalions and 11 different brigades. They participated in training at the combat training center. Uh, Yavorov Hilbert said during a brief press press briefing, 
Since the beginning of that mission in 2015, the Pentagon invested $126 million into the training of Ukrainian military personnel, Hilbert added. U.S. company seeking Mercs to start immediately after Russia raises training base in Ukraine. So we're, we're seeing this is a whole different story, but it's the escalation of war. Uh, the United States is currently training the second group of about 50 Ukrainian military trainers on how to operate howitzers, radars, and armored vehicles pledged by the United States to Kiev amid Moscow's special military operation in the country. The training sessions are taking, a pl are taking place in a number of locations outside of Ukraine, more likely Poland. On 24 February, Russia launched a special military operation in Ukraine. Blah, blah, blah. We all know that, right? What is this? Continent-sized blue blobs from the Earth core. That's a different story. So this is going on, right? They've been training these soldiers for the last seven years. That means that they've been invested in this war, right? This war has been a secret war. They've been, they've been ramping this thing up. And then... As soon as the Pluto return hit, they were in. They're totally in. And now we're sending billions of dollars into uh, the uh, the slush fund known as Ukraine. Much of that money will come back to the people that sent it there because that's what they've always done. Uh, not to mention the shit ton of weapons, some of which are being used, some of which are being pilfered by arms dealers on the ground, sold into the black market, pennies on the dollar, no over, there's no cost to them. So everything they make is profit, right? Who knows how they're going to be used. There's a depletion of our stockpile of arms and weapons. Now you could say that, Hey, it's good for business for Raytheon and uh, all the other um, military industrial complex companies, but there's no guarantee that those will be replaced. They could claim that there's supply chain issues all these other things, right? And that's one of the fears about what's going on here is that they are using the situation in Ukraine to drain the U.S. of its arms and its stockpiles and not replenish them. I'm not a big war person. I'm not really into war, honestly. You know, I feel like we should really live in peace. But we've de-evolved to a place where we really can't do that at this point. So you have to defend yourself. You have to defend yourself on a personal level. You have to defend yourself on a, on a community level, right? Because those people in Lano are at war. You know, we're, we're, we're at war in these various areas. We're at war within our own families, our own friendships. Like these are the secret wars that I'm talking about. They're happening. And it goes all the way up to the biggest secret war, which is the war at least theoretically in Ukraine, there's another war that's happening, which I'm going to get to, which people are not paying attention to because we're talking about Ukraine, right? And it's part of it, but it's not the totality of the assault on humanity. So we're going through this. We're going through this period now, right? Where all these things are happening simultaneously. And it's, it's almost as if we're being put through a version of machine learning. 
And for those of you who are not familiar with machine learning, I'll just give you a brief breakdown and synopsis of it. Um, Lex Friedman, by the way, who has a podcast, I think he's one of the guys that pioneered this idea of machine learning. So for instance, if you wanted to teach an AI something to do something, a very basic function, there was, there was a protocol where you would encode the exact and specific thing that the, uh, or, or function that the AI was supposed to perform. <clears throat> so let's, um, let's use something like a, an automated, an automated phone uh, response. So you call up a company and you get their automated phone response. That's an AI, right? It's an AI that's trained to be interactive, voice activated, and then also has a series of options that are limited to whatever it can perform. It's a pretty simple piece of programming, theoretically, right? It's supposed to answer the call, say what it needs to say, give you a prompt, listen back to your prompt, and then go through a series of other prompts and sort of move you into a direction, right? That's what it's supposed to do. That's pretty simple. Once you put in the voice recognition programming, it's like, you know, it's a closed loop. And if you say something different, it just won't, it won't, it won't really respond to you unless you start screaming agent, 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 in which case it might get the point and connect you with the human. So that's basic, right? It's like binary. So it's kind of a binary function, but what machine learning does is instead of just programming the AI to do those simple functions, machine learning floods the AI with variables like the history of communication, um, the uh, um, uh, speech pathology. I mean, all these different things that may be slightly related to the thing that it's supposed to do. And then what has happened with machine learning is that the AI takes that abstract of information, has taken it and done crazy stuff. And the story that I, I like to tell, I, I've told this before, it was a program that was um, worked on by an insurance company. And it had to do with um, actuarials. Pretty basic, simple, looking at statistics, age, things like that, right? And to, to be able to determine, right, who was at higher risk, et cetera, et cetera. So they did this and then they flooded it with a lot of other information that was tangential to the actual operation of the AI. And it got crazy, right? It got crazy and it started to like predict when people were going to die. I mean, it was also diagnosing people. Like it was doing things that it wasn't supposed to do. But it was being flooded by a lot of tangential information. And that's what's going on with humans right now. We are, we are being indoctrinated into a form of machine learning because of everything that's coming at us simultaneously. 
I mean, I could probably take two minutes and just put a lot of different nodes like in the air around me to represent everything that's going on. So we have this war in Ukraine, we have what's going on with COVID, we have the whole Roe v. Wade thing, we have critical race theory, we have uh, the gender stuff, the trans stuff, the transhumanist stuff, all those things, are, th those are just the things themselves that are flooding us. Inflation, Green New Deal, communism, Marxism, Antonio Gramsci, right? all these things we're being flooded with. We're being flooded with the thing itself and we're being flooded not only by those things, but by the information that helps us understand those things. So we're getting the machine learning aspect of all these different things, including theoretically the elixir, which is understanding them. And that's just part of it. And then once you, once you step back a little bit more, then you have other information that's coming at you, you know, which is, you know, not necessarily direct. It'll be indirect information, like three, four layers deep. And it may take you, like, say, if you're into the whole, um, quote, unquote, COVID world, right, and healing, it might take you into something like the Rife Machine or the Spooky 2 and alternative healing, right? So there's all these things happening simultaneously, and we are being flooded with them. And we don't know how, really, we've never been in a place like this before. And a lot of people can't handle it. A lot of people can't handle this flood of information. It's overwhelming. And I don't blame them. I'm not sure we were meant to handle this much information. So we are now part of the experiment. We are the new machines. Everything that they've done with machine learning, let's, let's try it on humans. Let's see if we can program them. And is it all bad? Because there are some people that can handle it. And some people can take the information and start to make very complex associations. And there can be some interesting things that come out of it. That's all part of it too. But this is where we are now, right? This is, again, a war in consciousness. Now, this is very anti-Ted Kaczynski. Ted Kaczynski would say, just get rid of it, right? Get rid of it, break it down. Let's, let's go back to basics. We don't need it all. And I think there's some merit and truth to that. We're way too far down the tracks now. Way too far down the tracks. Like that's not really going to happen anytime soon. Unless, of course, we get an EMP, in which case it could happen. May not be the worst thing. Enjoy it while you can. But I also think we're starting to see some fatigue around all of this. Because we can only keep up with this amount of information and this amount of intensity and this amount of immersion for so long. Like, you know, we're pushing the limits of our ability to process all this stuff. And it, 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 it can have a deleterious effect on people. This brings me into uh, a little bit with Martin Liebke. 
And you know Martin as Flat Earth British. He's done some tremendous videos. The, the images that he's scoured through Gallica, um, pretty amazing. And apparently Gallica is not an easy uh, website to navigate. So in order for him to get those images, right? Time, effort. Anyway, uh, some of you may know that, that uh, Martin has been accused of a Me Too thing with a presenter and a person, a woman on his tour. And he put up a video yesterday, 25 minutes. And it was the, the video was supposed to address these things that uh, Martin has been accused of. It was a very odd video. Apparently, he's not in England or Wales. Um, he's somewhere in Central Europe. I'm not going to play the video, but he's with this woman who's a friend of his. And he's talking about what happened to him. He doesn't address the allegations, but he talks about his um, flat earth British tour that he did. But apparently he did not organize that tour. Somebody else did. And um, he didn't want to do it. This is his words. He didn't want to do it. He kept, you know, hearing the prompt of his spirit or spirit uh, to not do it, but he did it. And I watched some of that tour and, and I, like, I watched it for about five minutes, really. I'm like, what's going on here? It's like, really wasn't that interesting, honestly. If you're going to do like B-roll footage, like, you know, make it good. Make it, make it something like, oh, wow, I wish it was there, right? One of the videos is they were looking for somebody who's part of the group who got lost. I'm like, this is not very interesting. And apparently they lost, speaking of loss, he lost money, according to Martin. Uh, and in order to make back that money, he had a conference. And I think, the con I thought the conference was built into this thing. I, I'm, you know, that part I'm not really clear about, but he only had uh, 200 people attend the conference. Well, that's not bad. You know, I've had three conferences and the most that I've had attend is 50. It's like, you know, 200 people, it's kind of successful. But apparently he didn't have any money from that either. So now he's broke. Not only that, but apparently YouTube has stopped monetizing his videos. He's getting hit with copyright claims on the images. Somebody stole his website, right? He, martinleadka.com, he can't get into it. I don't know how that happens, but I think something like that happened to Randy Moggins. Something similar. Um, and all those, so those are all the things he talked about. He talked about the death of his mother, last three years he's been grieving. And of course the doxing, like so apparently he's being doxed now by people who are upset with him. You know, is it an attempt to defile somebody who is bringing this secret history of the world 
found to go, maybe, I, it could be. Could be that maybe he did do something wrong. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm not here to pass judgment on it. But one of the things he did say in the video is that he is burnt out. He doesn't want to keep doing the same videos over and over again. And this is something that I've heard from a number of people and uh, different category, but even John Levi, whom I had a conversation with the other day, and he wants to do something different. You know, he's still very engaged in the material that he's been committed to literally and figuratively unearthing, but there, we all have different aspects of who we are. And if you just go down one lane and monocrop everything for a period of time, what's going to happen? You're going to get fucking bored. We're humans. We get bored. You know, we get stuck in ruts. We get stuck in the trenches. We become entrenched in the uh, exercise of our daily affairs and the things that we do because maybe we're good at it. People respond to it. In some cases, they even support it right? Monetarily. So now you have the monetary thing and you're kind of hooked into the monetary thing. And if you stop it, the monetary thing stops. And that becomes a job. It's not just a passing fancy. You have to become committed to it, right? And I think that's the difference between being uh, an auteur and being some, an, an auteur slash artist versus somebody who is engaged in the creation of something that is a borderline commodity. Because artists don't want to have a commodity. They hate the commodification of the things that they're doing. I watched a, a, a brief, like 25-minute documentary on Kate Bush last night. I almost played Kate Bush today. And... Kate Bush toured one time, one time. And it cost a lot of money. It was kind of a disaster, apparently. So instead, she did, she spent a lot of money on videos and she did a lot of talk shows, which she did not like. And once she um, did the uh, uh, CD, The Dreaming, she reached this kind of pinnacle with her work. And then everything after, I think it was like three years later, it took three years for her to do the next record, which was what the Red Shoes, interesting title. And then I think she's had two other releases since then, but like five years apart, six years apart. And so this is what happens. You know, people get to a certain point, like for her, the trajectory was, you know, what I call menstruation rock. Um, and then all the way up to the Dreamy, which is a great record peaking, right? It's like, okay, I did this. This is what I was working towards. This is the summation of my vision. I got here. It's the top of the mountain for me. Biggest hits, breakthrough, right? And then the other side of the mountain. Now, the industry says, do another dreaming. We like that. The artist says, I can't do it. I just did it. I can't, I can't do that record. Then we'll do something else but make sure it's as successful as the last one or better yet, even more successful. So there's a lot of demands on creative people who, and when I look at somebody like John, he's a creative person. 
I don't really know Martin, but I would assume Martin's a creative person. If you if you're doing this, you have some creative spark. You have it, or else you wouldn't be doing it. You know, I if I if I was really just into making money and doing videos, honestly, I'd be doing food videos because a lot more views. You're not going to get canceled, right? They can be kind of fun. You can have products to associate. You can have an apron with Jasper's face on it and all that shit, right? And there's a little bit of art in that, but that's that's a commodity. And those people are smart, by the way. They're using the medium in order to create a business. And there are people who are artists who use the medium for self-expression and the ability to theoretically wake people up. Is there a ceiling to that? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. We're also dealing with attention and attention spans. So, and I've talked about this before, you know, what happens if somebody stops making videos? We'll use John Levi as an example. What, hap- what would happen if John stopped making videos? You go, wow, that was really good. Well, who else is out there? It's kind of like John. If you ever listen to music and your favorite band stopped making records for a while, you go, oh, I really miss that band. Who else is kind of like this band? Where can I get that kick, right? Where can I get that, that endorphin rush from listening to certain music? It's just a matter of time. Like, who knows what that time is? Month, two months, three months. At some point, people just go, okay, we'll go find this other person. So the people who do the videos know this. And I know it too, right? I'm like, so part of me does this because it's therapy. It keeps me sane. It gives me a form of self-expression. Yeah. Does it add to my income stream? Sure. Am I getting rich off it? I can guarantee you I'm not getting rich off it. I want to get rich off this. Like I said, I do fucking cap videos or cooking videos or whatever. It wouldn't be this. And I'd be on YouTube. Wouldn't be on my website where, you know, who can really find out about this? I try to broadcast a little bit, but it's like, you know, there's, (laughs) unless I'm, you know, thousands of people linked to me in this website, there's, there's a ceiling here. You know, I'm like, I'm like the little roadhouse restaurant in the middle of nowhere. You discover it, it's like, hey, it's kind of cool. Let's go back there sometime. Versus being, what, like, um, oh, I don't know. What would, what would be the uh, the equivalent? Uh, what's the Texas Roadhouse restaurant, right? In the, in the same shopping area where there's a Costco and there's a Whole Foods and you know, all these other places. Well, let's just go there. It's here. It's not bad. It's decent, digestible, but it's in a good location. You get a lot of people. That's YouTube, right? But, so this is challenging, right? And this is another part of kind of where we are in the context of what I would call the secret war. Right? Because we're, 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 <laughs> we're on the front lines of consciousness in a lot of ways. And there is battle fatigue. People get battle fatigue and it's, it's more than you understand or know in some ways, you know, people get tons and tons of who do this work, tons of emails and videos and in sorting through a lot of that correspondence can be, can be a bit tricky because nobody really wants to be a dick and not answer things. You know, Cause that's when we started off in this direction because 
we saw what was going on in the mainstream media world. There was no access, right? There was no access. And so it's like, okay, well, we're accessible. There's a downside to being accessible too. There's a downside to being public. Some people get to know you. Some people get to know you and draw up conclusions about you that may or may not be true. Maybe that's what Martin is going through. But it's part of the thing that we're going through right now. And there is a type of battle fatigue that goes on. So in order to stay in this game, you've got to take care of yourself. You have to vary your interests a little bit. You can't do the same thing over and over and over again because you're just going to be number one, bored. The people who watch you will understand it and be bored and they'll tune out. Oh, he's talking about this fucking thing again. Like, can you like change it up a little bit? That's what happens. So it's a real interesting creative test for us in a lot of ways. And the way that the world has been constructed and socially engineered to this point in time, it is probably the best response to the world. Now, you could theoretically, and you know, this is worth exploring. Maybe you just immersed yourself in the in the world of Neville Goddard and did nothing but have you know hope and faith and uh, you put all your energy into manifestation. Hey, that's an that's that's a potential uh, you know elixir for for our times. You know, maybe you could build on that. It's a very different kind of portent of consciousness, right? Or portal of consciousness. That's really outside of the construct of our world right now. And that's not to say that it's not out of bounds, but it's outside the construct. So in the construct, what are we doing? We're engaged in this very intense conflagration, the secret war in consciousness. And it's real. And how we deal with that is a very individual journey. It's part of the spiritual journey. We're, we're kind of in this phase, which is like the dark night of the soul. We're seeing things that we've never seen before, right? The, the horror is being exposed before our very eyes. And it's not going to get any better. In fact, I think it will get worse. You know, we're in the south node in Scorpio. And when this eclipse hits, this is a big eclipse coming up. When it hits, there will be revelations of darkness, darkness, corruption, all the things that we would look at and well, not even look at be shown with the scorpionic, the dark negative scorpionic exposition. Cause I think there's positive manifestations of Scorpio as I sit here in a black shirt and a black and white background. Um, and, and what's interesting is the Roe v. Wade wave, which is really part of this eclipse wave. And, you know, I never talked, I didn't really talk about this, but I, when I was looking at Argentina, one of the stories that really grabbed me was a story of a group of nuns who were accusing these um, Argentinian bishops of being insensitive for lack of a better term, didn't violate them, 
did not violate them, but because these, these nuns had bought into the veneration of this place that supposedly had an apparition of the Virgin Mary, the archbishops in Argentina, were, they were like, we don't accept this. Right, you want to make this in some ways canonical, and we're not accepting it. You know, we have to investigate it. Now, who knows? Maybe it's real. Maybe it was kind of a Medjugoryev kind of thing, right? Or another apparition of words. I don't know. That but that place is there. There's a woman that runs the place, and these nuns go there and they venerate it. And that's a big issue because the archbishops in Argentina don't recognize it, right? So they're accusing the archbishops of bullying them. And I think they're actually suing them. So this was happening around the, uh, the eclipse. I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's something about women that's coming, right? I, and, I, and I was like, I really needed to explore that more. Had I explored that more, would I have gotten to the Roe v. Wade thing? Maybe. But that is so in the Scorpio-Taurus vector, right? Scorpio is life. It's death. It's down in the loins, right? That's where you procreate. It's abortions. Taurus is birth. Taurus gives manifestation to, you know, the Scorpionic procreation. We're here, right? The nose are, are they're speaking to us. And now that this thing has been activated and we've got this solar, this lunar eclipse coming up at 22, I believe, Scorpio on the 15th. And we've got the Roe v. Wade thing running in the background. It could get ugly. It could get very ugly. And remember, these are these are fixed energies. Scorpio, Taurus, Aquarius, Leo, fixed signs. And when you get into fixed signs, what do you get into? You get into that polaric opposition, it becomes extreme. When we were going through Gemini and Sagittarius, it was mutable. It was crazy, but at least it was mutable. You, know, you kind of move on from it or play with it or turn it upside down, invert it. But when you get into the fixed polarity, it's extreme. And that's where we're headed. We're headed into this extreme polarization. And it's part of the war in consciousness. All right, I promise to take you into this other place, right? Where, where the secret war is really happening. I'm gonna show this to you. This is from yesterday. It's a 21 second clip, but it's the most important 21 seconds you'll see all day. Pay attention here. United Nations announces Klaus Schwab of the World Economic Forum and UN General Secretary Antonio Guterres have signed an agreement to accelerate Agenda 2030. They're telling you right now, 
They're telling you right now what they're going to do. They're going to turn up the volume and move the timeline forward. Now, when they do this, guess what happens? They can make mistakes. Let's hear this. This afternoon, the Secretary General and Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, will, sign, will witness the signing of a memorandum of understanding on a strategic partnership between the UN and the World Economic Forum, which outlines areas of cooperation to deepen engagement between the two institutions and to jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030 Agenda. This afternoon, the Secretary General and Klaus Schwab, the founder of the World Economic Forum, will, sign, will witness the signing of a memorandum of understanding on a strategic partnership between the UN and the World Economic Forum, which outlines areas of cooperation to deepen engagement between the two institutions and to jointly accelerate the implementation of the 2030. There you go. They're telling you right now where all this is going. Right? Agenda 2030, smart cities, they're going to accelerate it. They're going to join forces now. They were already joining forces, let's be honest. But now they're really joining forces. And don't kid yourself. The whole Ukraine thing is part of it. It's part of the whole Agenda 2030 thing. Just another swing of the wrecking ball, right, to the West. So this is the secret war that's going on. And there are levels, there are layers. What we're experiencing right now is unlike anything we've ever experienced on the history of this planet based on our historical knowledge, which is limited by the way. And I think we know why. Okay. Now, you know, I like to leave you sometimes with something funny or interesting or a little weird. I think yesterday we did a detachable penis by King Missile. I won't do that today. You only get detachable penis once in a year. You got it yesterday. But this other thing came across my, my radar. And let me see if I can do this rather quickly because we're running out of time here. Okay, I think I have it. All right, check this out. This tells you in a lot of ways how fucking weird the world we're living in is. And it has nothing to do with the secret war on the surface, but maybe it is about a secret war happening between two factions. Check this out. Is Meghan Markle's rise part of the Clinton's plan to outsmart Team, o team Obama as Biden loses? This is an actual story, right? So check this out. Meghan Markle's 2024 election odds have been boosted by a new Democracy Institute poll showing that the Duchess of Sussex is one of the preferred candidates. The poll's results reflect a complicated political game within the Democratic Party involving the Bidens, the Obamas, and the Clintons, according to the Democracy Institute's director. President Joe Biden and the Democrats are facing a dismal political situation ahead of the 2022 midterms, according to a series of surveys conducted exclusively for the British newspaper Daily Express by the Democracy Institute of Washington, London-based politically independent research organization. According to Patrick Basham, founding director of the Democracy Institute, the Dems are now divided 
over who should succeed Biden to prevent a GOP candidate from coming out on top in 2024. A new poll by the Democracy Institute found that U.S. respondents put Meghan Markle second behind Michelle Obama, but ahead of Vice President Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton. Does that mean Meghan Markle really has a chance of winning if she throws her hat into the ring in 2024? He says, should Joe Biden not seek renomination in 2024 as a Democratic Party's presidential candidate? Our polling finds that Meghan Markle would have a decent chance of securing the party's nomination. What the fuck world are we living in when this dumb shit can be considered a, a reasonable candidate for anything? Sorry, it's true though. I'm not sorry. Although Michelle Obama is the preferred, should we put quotes around female? Somebody thinks that uh, Meghan Markle's a dude too. Don't be surprised. Among Democratic voters, she does not enjoy politics and do not expect her to seek the presidency. The party's respective far-off, far-left progressive and center-left wings, along with the respective Obama and Clinton power bases, are divided over who should succeed Biden. As a result, there is a base of support for Hillary Clinton, Kamala Harris, Senator Elizabeth Warren, and Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez as presidential nominees but none of them have high levels of support. Therefore, Markle could present herself as the new modern biracial face of the Democratic Party, one that is untainted by previous political compromises, legislative battles, and controversial votes. While she would not be the most, the most Democrats' first choice, she could win if the Democrats viewed her as their favored second choice. How is it? This is so bizarre. The universe that we live in that believes that Meghan Markle could be a viable candidate for president is insane. Totally insane. Apparently, Meghan Markle is one of the byproducts of the kind of in vitro birth world. I think there may even be some, a theory that she is the um, daughter of two actors that hooked up. And her parents are not even her parents. By the way, this is not uncommon. You know, if you've gone down the Obama rabbit hole and looked at the, the Obama girls, it's like, that shit's old news, right? Way old news. Even um, Chelsea Clinton, you know, Bill Clinton's not her dad. Now, Webster Hubble being her dad, she kind of looks like Webster Hubble, by the way. But I just can't imagine Hillary Clinton having sex with Webster Hubble. Who knows? Maybe it didn't happen that way. Maybe, maybe they just pulled uh, Webster's seed. Webster's demon seed. Anyway, how weird is that, right? President Markle? Don't be surprised. Do not be surprised. And remember, when it's talked about, this is one of the first places you heard it. All right. Thanks for being here. I am not burnt out. I'm here every day. I'm here for you. And if you like to, you can support the show. I've got a subscription function right next to the screen here at 15 minutes of flame, right, right next to what you're watching on the sidebar. There are three levels that you can subscribe to and anything that you do is appreciated. Uh, you can even share the link with people. If you like the content, I tell you to, Give me a thumbs up, but we don't do that here.
You give me a thumbs up anyway. All right, I'm out. Use your head in order to serve what's real, your heart to stay open what's possible. For myself, Jasper, and all the other six-leggeds, eight-leggeds, and whatever that live here, bye for now.